This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello and welcome to The Great Indoors. The podcast which reveals everything you ever needed to know about interiors and explains how to make it all really work for you in your home. I'm Kate Watson-Smythe. And I'm Sophie Robinson. And here we are at the start of a brand new series, Series 8. Can you believe it? And with a shiny new series, we are proud to welcome a shiny new sponsor too. We're very excited to welcome on board Neptune. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar with Neptune, they make kitchens. Oh, really lovely kitchens too. As I was saying... Kitchens created with a combination of cutting-edge technology to make sure their worktops are precision cut by lasers and traditional craftsmanship by trained cabinet makers, making sure their kitchens are built to last, which is just great for everyone, including the planet. And their cupboards can be custom painted in any of the 28 shades from their colour chart, which they add to and update seasonally. Because if you're going to invest in a kitchen that's built to last a lifetime, you better get it in a colour you really love, right? And they make furniture too, from armchairs and kitchen stools to dining tables and all sorts of home accessories. Quite the one-stop shop. So do check out their website at neptune.com to find out more. Now, Kate, what have we got coming up in today's show? Well, it's a super-packed summer show for you today. <laughs> do you like that? Yeah, I love it. First have of got, all... Have you got your Butlin's red coat on? This is what I'm uh, Do you know, should we just pause while I go and put the red coat on? Because first of all, we are discussing... Coming up. Coming up, <laughs> staycations. Heidi, hi. Holy <laughs> ho. Moving swiftly on. Okay, I am listening, but I'm struggling with the blanket. I'm sitting in the middle of my mum's annex. She was the only one who had any Wi-Fi up till about 20 minutes ago. So I'm now sat at her kitchen island with a blanket on my head. I'm just conscious she's going to walk in in a minute and wonder why I'm sitting at her kitchen island with a blanket on my head. And it's making me sweat. <laughs> it's one of those fleecy ones. The it's things really we go through hot. to bring you this show. I've lost it, sorry. Moving swiftly on, we then have a brilliant interview with Sarah Mitchell who was a garden designer who turned interior designer for that little show you may have mentioned, the Great Interior Design Challenge. And now she's gone back to garden design. And I'm really looking forward to hearing what she's got to say because I know that her experience, well, literally on both sides of the fence, actually means that she's really good at sort of melding interior design and garden design. And after that, we have our regular style surgery slot. So, on we go. Sophie, going anywhere nice this summer? I am, actually, but it's a bit off topic because <laughs> we're going to <laughs> France. <laughs> Great. 
Okay. Um, takes red jacket off. Scrubs diary. <laughs> Well, yeah, we're going to go into... My father lives in the Doi Doin, so we are driving. Usually we'd fly, but I don't fancy getting an airplane, uh, to be honest. And for lots of other reasons, actually. My husband's refused to fly anymore due to environmental considerations. So driving it is in our new electric car under the channel, which Arthur's very excited about. Yes, um, yes. It'll be a long time since we've caught up with my dad. But actually, you know, a lot of us, I think, similarly uh, not fancying too much international travel right now. So staycations is where it's at, isn't it? Well, and I think, I mean, I don't know quite when they became called staycations. I mean, when I was growing up, it was just called going on holiday. Um, (laughs) And, you know, but as a child, I suppose in modern terms, a child of the 70s, we were very much a staycation holiday family. Where did you go? We went sometimes to Cornwall, sometimes to Wales and sometimes to the Lake District. I mean, I actually didn't go abroad until I was 14 for the first time. And then I went on a school skiing trip. Actually, it wasn't my school, but one of my friends at school had parents who were teachers and they organised a skiing trip. So I went with her school. But no, I spent my my formative years sometimes in holiday cottages, some of which were hideous, and sometimes in tents and caravans. I really want to see photographic evidence of Kate Watson smiling. Do you know, in I've spent I've spent all weekend turning this cupboard upside down where I thought the picture was. I remember one holiday in the... Kate, 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 I've just got to hold you one men- moment on your remember because okay. my poor <laughs> mum's loitering in the doorway trying to ask me a question. What is it, ma'am? I've just checked the Wi-Fi, it's on. I know it's on, mum, that's why we're doing it now. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> we have to leave that in. She's just come to tell me that the Wi-Fi is on. Oh, God, I love her. It's so funny. Honestly, my mum's been there for about five minutes, just going, <laughs> I mean, just going, wait, wait. The Wi-Fi's right, I'm going to go back right. to my Lake District holiday. Yes, come on, carry on. Okay, so I do remember all these holidays. And obviously, my mum was divorced, so it was just me and her. So we used to go on holiday with my aunt and uncle and my two cousins, boys. And I remember going one year to the Lake District And my aunt had just got this shiny new caravan and it had got an awning and so everything was packed up in there. And we drove up to the Lake District from me and my mum from our house in Gloucestershire in her yellow Renault 4. Do you remember those funny little cars? No, I'm I'm a bit younger than you. Yeah, all right. Um, She (laughs) bought a tent and she said she'd ordered a four-man tent. So we get up there. It's the most incredibly long drive. She puts the tent up. She puts her bed in the tent. She hangs her light from the roof of the tent. She gets a little deck chair to put her clothes on at night and then she spreads out the dog bed. We had a cocker spaniel called Cloudy. And then she's like, oh, darling, the tent's full. You'll have to go and sleep in the awning with your cousin Nigel. So that was me. (laughs) Kicked out of the tent. And then it rained and it rained and it rained. And the picture I was looking for, I've been looking all weekend and I can't find it. Maybe my mum can find it in time for the show notes. We have a picture of a barbecue and all our shoes strung up over the barbecue, trying to dry them. And at the end of a week, I think it was a two-week holiday, at the end of the week, my mother just said, 
I am done with this. And she put everything back in the car and we drove back down to Cheltenham. And I remember turning up in my grandmother's drive because we live with my grandmother and opening the boot of the car and water just flooding out. So, you know... That's me and staycation. Another camping holiday was never to occur or be spoken of. (laughs) The year after that, we rented a cottage. Upgrade. Yes. So the thing now about staycations or renting in this country is it's all got to be Instagrammable or nobody wants to know about it. I mean, I've got a tip for you. There is this lovely website called uniquehomestays.com that does the best of the best, the most stylish holiday lets. I mean, it's just complete home porn. It's absolutely gorgeous on there. I mean, they do come at a price, but there's this one place in particular called the Beach Hut, which is down its own private beach in Cornwall. I think it's got like miles of its own private beach and it's where all the Hollywood superstars go and stay so they can't get papped. So you could even book that. Or there's another brilliant site that I love to go to to find special and more quirky and unusual places to say that I could tempt you with. You heard of the landmarktrust.org.uk. You can stay in towers, follies, fishermen huts, even castles. There's one in particular that I thought you'd really like, Appleton Water Tower at Sandringham, no less. It's like staying in your own little mini stately home, some of these places. But some of those are great, aren't they? I remember actually years ago, this isn't quite a staycation by the sort of proper definition, but was actually the year of 9-11 and my elder son was six months old and we were supposed to go to New England and fly to Boston on holiday. Obviously, that couldn't happen because all the planes were grounded. So we decided to drive to France and a friend of mine just gave us a book of French castles, Chateau, and we just kind of got in the car and drove from Chateau to Chateau and stayed in these amazing places. So, you know, I think it is wherever you're going now, we care much more about what it looks like, don't we? Call us shallow. Well, you're right. And we we are talking about the UK because that's where we're based. But we've got to recognise we have an international listening uh, database. Yeah. So I think, you know, wherever... That, I went a bit Australian then. Did you hear that? Died a bice? That was good, Are you wasn't going it? on a staycation down under? <laughs> <laughs> this is now spinning out of control. The lack of Wi-Fi. It's spinning out of control. But the point is, wherever yeah. you live, what we're saying is you can find some really extraordinary places to stay, extraordinary architecture, you know, bunkhouses, bothies. I think it's a boffy. It's a boffy. Hi, the news, a boffy. <laughs> So you can stay with all that all coming out today. I'll tell you what, this fleece blanket is having very adverse effects on me. I think it's melting your brain. It's melting my brain. But yeah, so I think, you know, some really quirky places and it adds to the experience in a positive way, one would hope, Kate. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm still pretty much sure you should go by your convictions and not leave the house with your track record. But if Yes, you it's do... not working for me, is it? But, <laughs> um, clearly not working for you. There is one thing I just wanted to flag up, which I read in one of the papers over the weekend, just to check if you are vacationing, staycationing in the UK, that there's been some advice, which again may change, but as things stand, if you are the holiday home owner, you're being advised to remove what they call unnecessary items, board games, surplus crockery, hair dryers, cushions, and all that kind of thing. So if you've rented somewhere to stay and you're hoping, you know, to spend a rainy afternoon browsing through the holiday books, might be worth just putting in a call before you set off to see if you need to take your own games. Your own your own uh, box of cards. Your own entertainment. Well, that's the thing as well, isn't it, in this country, is you probably will have a 
few rainy afternoons staying in with the board games. That is probably quite likely. One or two. One yes. or two. Oh, I tell you what I've done. I've treated myself to a staycation. I've managed to book in at the Rose in Deal. Is that in Kent? Yes. Basically, it's a really sweet hotel, but it was designed by Nicola Harding, who's one of my all-time favourite interior designers. And I've never been able to get a booking there because it's always so busy. But you know when they announced that hotels could take bookings? I was straight on the booking website. When you say I, are you going on your own? Are you running away from your family? No, I have booked I booked the family room, actually. That was a bit oh. of a mistake. You've given me a good idea. I should have just gone on my own. I could do with the break, quite <laughs> frankly. But no, I'm taking the boys. Just two nights. Lovely. By the beach, do a bit of winkling or whatever you do down in uh, in Kent. But more importantly for me, I mean, this is the whole thing, isn't it, about staycations, is I want a really beautiful interior. I always go straight to the gallery whenever yeah, I'm looking me to book a hotel. Straight to the gallery, what do the rooms look like? Yeah, exactly. Well, because you know what the location's like, that's why you want to go there. So you're kind of I taking... I've got no idea. I've got no idea what deal's like. It's just that there's a nice bedroom I'm going to be staying You just in. undermined <laughs> my point. My point <laughs> for most people is that they've chosen their location because they want to go there. Therefore, they then start looking at what the rooms are like. So, yeah, now I look at the rooms and then work out if I like the location. It's all about the interior design for me. That's just how committed I am. But we'd love to know how much design matters or doesn't matter to you when you go on holiday. So come and find us both on Instagram, where I'm Sophie Robinson Interiors, and she's mad about the house. And we'd also like to hear your thoughts on our next topic, which is garden design. Now, I don't know, Kate, if you saw on the Great Indoors podcast Facebook group that Coral Moore has planted some flowers with you in mind. She says, I needed to share these amazing grey poppies I planted this year for all the colour lovers. How would you describe these colours? I feel like Kate might even be on board for it. Do you know what I you think, think I am? I think they're amazing. They're sort of... They are grey, which is weird because I've never seen a grey flower before. Grey purple, like a bruisey purple. Grey velvet, well, yeah, with pink inside. I mean, yes, it's a grey sort of blending into purple, but they're very beautiful. I might have to get on board with some of those. It could get you into gardening, could it? Steady. (laughs) Which leads us nicely onto our interview. Now, Sarah Mitchell began studying fine art sculpture before becoming a garden designer, but then made the headlines by winning the 2016 The Great Interior Design Challenge on BBC Two that Daniel and I were judges for at the time. So I already know that she's a super, super, super talented interior designer. But what's interesting about Sarah, after 20 years in garden design, she moved into interior design, but she's re-embraced her love of gardens and now marries the two together, which I think is really fascinating. She's got a real passion for bringing interiors and gardens together and thinking about the two in tandem when you're designing your home and your outdoor spaces. Now, she is going to be designing my garden, which I'm particularly thrilled about. We've got, well, I have never measured it, but I think it's over an acre of garden. So it's big and it's overwhelming for me and Tom, who previous to moving to this house had a postage stamp of a backyard so we are not green fingered at all and okay we've got my mum on site but it's a bit too much for her to manage so I was really looking to Sarah to help us design a garden but at the same time talk to her about the garden designs in tandem with designing our extension because I'm interested on how the two spaces will work together so even though we're probably not going to actually 
plant the garden till next year. She's explained it's a really good idea to think about it now as part of the building work. So this is quite exciting because I actually got to interview Sarah in person because she was coming around to do some measuring up in my garden. This is the first socially distanced recorded interview I've done in uh, whatever, actually. But you are going to have to slightly forgive me for the dodgy audio. I've not quite got the hang of it yet. I do a lot of work with people that are about to do building work or considering doing building work and know that's going to have a massive impact on the garden. It's either going to make it loads smaller or it's going to, you know, affect the general layout of the garden. You know, obviously design-wise is going to make a massive difference if you think about the two together. And also there's a financial gain here because if you're doing a massive dig out for an extension, then A, you need somewhere to put the spoils from the dig out. So if you can use it in the garden or you can build areas up or you can use that topsoil somewhere else, then you're saving yourself quite a lot of money. And during uh, lockdown, I think all of us have been spending so much more time oh, in our we? gardens. Are you seeing that that's maybe making people think of their gardens in a new way? Yeah, I think people are engaging in their gardens in a completely different way. Like, we're all used to wanting to look out of our window and seeing a pretty garden or whatever. But, you know, if I take my garden, it's it's tiny. It's probably about, So you're in Central Brighton, it's like a city yeah, garden. Yeah, it's your classic Victorian terrace garden. But I've got my garden office in there. I've planted fruit trees in there. We've got a lawn. I've got vegetables. We've got a basketball net. I've got a yeah. fire pit, a swing chair. Like, wow. And we have lived and breathed in our garden. I've been to your house. It's not big. No. You, the way you're describing it, I mean, you know, people might you're be visualising a really big garden. I mean, what are you saying? Like, what? Four metres wide? It's about five by seven. Five by seven. Okay. Yeah, not including the shed. That's the same size as my living room, five by seven. Yes. <laughs> honestly it really is and I think everyone I'm talking to all the people that are talking to me about their gardens they are engaging in their gardens because they need them like they need like we need the space we need the The space they need the sunlight they need you know somewhere to play and kick a ball around I think we're being less precious about them you know there isn't this sort of fear of you know what if I kick a ball into that plant who cares What are your tips then? If you've got an average size garden and you're about to start a redesign, what sort of things do you need to think about? Yeah, so if you're thinking of doing some work to your garden, I mean, you could think about it as if it's an interiors. So I think a lot of people find they freeze when they get into a garden because they don't know what to do. Yes, okay. So I'm frozen. me with you because I really (laughs) thought that you'd you'd be able to do that. You were were a good insight into something who is super able to design in a something room. in yeah. a room. So right, let's imagine that you're designing your room, but you're going to be doing that outside. Yeah, I know, but it's not wallpaper, paint and carpets. I've got like <laughs> pl- plants and paving and decking and grass and all these alien things. All right, so think about it in terms of you'd start with layout, right? Yeah, okay, yeah. I suppose you will. it'll come down later on maybe how busy you are because, again, are you someone who's going to indulge your passion for growing? Ignore or, all of oh, those Ignore all the practicals. Start oh, okay. Because yes, they're the things that will freeze you again. Oh, okay. You'll be like, oh, how am I going to look after this thing? Okay, so okay just, forget that. Just think about 
how are you going to use it? Mm-hmm. Realistically, not in a fantasy world, but how right. really are you going to use it? Are you going to sit and relax in that space? Are you going to dine in it? Do you want a basketball net? You know, do you need a football pitch? Do you need a fire pit? Do you need... Mm, I want you all know, those things. I'm all of those. Okay. <laughs> right, write them all down, then remove the ones you actually really don't want. Okay. Keep the ones that you genuinely get excited about. And then have a think about where the sun is. So if you've lived in a house oh, for a okay. while, you know, where's the sun in the morning? Where's the sun in the afternoon? In the past, a lot of my clients and people I work with have wanted a formal dining area for kind of garden parties yeah but it's going much more relaxed these days especially through lockdown everyone that I'm talking to wants a sort of general family relaxed seated Mm. kind of all day vibe and the reality is that even if the most sun is down the other end of the garden it's very unlikely you're you're going to go down down there yeah really isn't so when it comes to the majority of your time in a garden, it will probably be nearest the house. See, your that's social really, time. We least. had that conversation, didn't we, about our we house? Because yeah. I've got quite a large garden, mm. and then Tom wanted everything outside the kitchen door, and I was thinking, yeah. why are we going to have everything here? We've got all this space. Why? But then you were so right in saying, but that is how you're going to use it. Yes. you're not going to traipse the other end of the garden with your dishes of food or no one of the days where you go I'll have a patio down the other end of the garden <laughs> yeah, yeah because it essentially gets a bird bath on it and that's the only time anyone's going right. to go down so there so you do essentially do most of your activity right outside the house yeah I think that's really good to flag up because I yeah. hadn't thought of that but then there will be other places in the garden you want to do other things you know you might want to have a fire pit down the other end of the garden you might want to plant a few trees so you feel like you've got an orchard you want to get out and engage in the garden. And create different spaces. Yeah, so it's about creating different rooms. So mm. if you've already imagined your dining or relaxing space is just outside your kitchen like we've just done, then where would you maybe want to go for an evening drink? Yes. I mean, this is really lockdown garden talking. <laughs> <laughs> Adding things like pergolas or something that's going to give you some height. 
Mm-hmm. That you can climb things over, essentially create more. Because everything can be spaces. very low on the ground in gardens, can't it? If you're just well, doing flower beds, that's what everyone thinks about when they think about gardens. They push everything to the edge. They have these really small borders mm. because they're terrified of plants. And the reality is that a garden is the plants. You know, those things that remind you of a beautiful garden when you were a kid. Mm. I bet you were not thinking about the fences or the no, whatever. No, you're right. I was thinking of the apple tree and mum's rose garden. And There you go. Yeah. So all the things that, the things that we're most scared of in a garden, which is the plants, because we think we're going to kill them. Yes, well, and that may be true. You, you, know. <laughs> <laughs> but you can't. Mm. Um, they're the things that give you the character and the romance and the emotional connection to a garden, which I think is something we're all looking for. You want, for instance, the romance of the garden that you had when you were a kid, but without the fussy parts yeah, that less take formal up in as well. Yeah, way less formal. Are you seeing that generally in terms of what people want from their gardens? Less of the formal flower beds you know you'd go up to the garden center and get all your pots and create yes. these yes. quite classic flower beds and that's we're not doing that here are we no we're not and actually i'm seeing that a lot in country gardens mm. um and actually even in town ones people are asking for a lot more wildflowers they're asking to be more connected to their environment in a much more sort of eco way is that a big um, is that a big conversation lots of people having at the moment yeah i mean it's it's really beautiful thing to see you know on a daily basis You know, are people asking to attract more bees and butterflies? And if so, what should we be doing? Yes, they're saying more bees and butterflies and less slugs, please. Oh, yeah, the slugs. Sorry about the slugs. We're not including you. Yes. Um, You know, we're looking at a lot of wildflower meadows. But what if you've got like a small city garden or a balcony? Well, if you've got a small city garden, then... If we're being less precious, we almost need to be less precious about how we garden. The the more over gardening you do, the more pruning and preening and making everything look and perfect. weeding and mm-hmm. yeah, the less the bugs and the bees and the butterflies are going to thank you. Okay. So if you can turn over small sections of your lawn and just let it grow, like simple tricks like bees love the color purple. You know, if you think Did about they? simple things like that, yeah, they love the color purple. Oh. More than other colours, and they like tubular shaped flowers and single blooms. So often, if you go for more um, native kind of species of plants and flowers, then you will get more bees and butterflies, etc. Right, right, right. Um, and we are doing more things for the bees and butterflies. The councils are trying not to cut down the verges as much as possible, so that things are growing longer, and um, we're getting more wildlife. Oh, it's magical. If you drive through it, it's just a sea of yellow and purple in brightness. It's really lovely. I thought that was so interesting. And I speak as someone who's not initially that interested in gardening, but I think she's... (gasps) Has I'm she got it. you onto the green side? Well, I'm no. not sure I want to do the work, but I thought her theories, it seems so obvious, but, you know, bring the sitting area close to the house because you're not going to go schlepping all the way down to the bottom to have your breakfast. You just want to be by your house. You know, that notion of having that room close and then having other bits further away. I thought it was so interesting. It's so interesting and so obvious, but I had not thought about that. I thought, well, I've got a large garden. I need to utilise it all. 
you know, I need to use it. But actually, the reality is we're going to be using the five feet outside the kitchen door. <laughs> That's just what we all do. But you know what? That's interesting for people who don't have big gardens, because even people who've got big yeah. gardens, clearly only using a tiny bit of it. So you don't need all that space. Don't think, I don't think I didn't think of that either. I thought, all this mowing, all this mowing, who, who uh, needs it? <laughs> you're going to gravel it. <laughs> no, I'm going to let it all go wild. It's going to go all go wild. Because I think another really interesting thing is that, you know, I've always thought of gardens as a very visual thing, you know, flowers and plants and colour. But actually what I'm realising is they're also spaces for creatures. You know, this whole concept that you're creating a... Well, actually, there's this book that I've been recommended to read by our beautiful podcast producer, Kate Taylor. She recommended I pick it up and I am love... Okay, I'm only on page five, so I'm not going to be able to share too much of the wisdom, (laughs) but it's called The Garden Jungle by Dave Goulson. Can I just read you a bit from the back? Because it gives you the gist. Go on, And you love a book, don't you, Kate? I do love a book. So The Garden Jungle is about the wildlife that lives right under our noses, in our gardens and parks and between the gaps in the pavement and in the soil beneath our feet. Dave Goulson gives us an insight into the fascinating and sometimes weird lives of these creatures, taking us burrowing into the compost heap, digging under the lawn and diving into the garden pond. He explains how our lives and ultimately the fate of humankind are intrinsic... Oh, no. Have you got... <coughs> are you stuck on a word? Inextricably intertwined with that... I mean, give me a break. I actually also need to tell everybody that the blankets come off. I was suffocating under my blanket. Did it come off, Sophie? Or did I see you by via our Zoom link violently throw it off and hurl it across the room? That was a little mini hissy fit. I can't do it anymore. It wasn't so mini, was it? No, and it was quite quite synthetic and sweaty. I'm much better off without it. But you're going to hear all the um, outside doggy noises. Mum's just come up from the garden for a pee, so she's pottering around in the background. You're going to get it all now, real life, innit? Anyway, he explains how humankind are inextricably intertwined with that of earwigs, bees, lacewings and hoverflies, unappreciated heroes of the natural world. For anyone who has a garden and cares about our planet, this book is essential reading, so dig in. I don't know if I want to be inextricably entwined with an earwig, thank you very much. (laughs) I'm not sure I fancy that. I was going to talk about another book. In fact, you've just reminded me with your talk of wild, I'm going with wild flowers, less wild animals. She's on Instagram called Letitia McClough and she's written a book called The Five Minute Garden, which is right up my street because five minutes will do me. But I remember her posting an Instagram picture a few months ago now where she's got a a green lawn and she said instead of mowing all the lawn a year ago or so, she left kind of random patches in the middle of the lawn to grow wild. So she had sort of manicured grass and then, you know, like a round, almost like a fairy ring full of wildflowers and then a bit more manicured. And I thought that was such a lovely idea. Also really good if you're not very good at straight lines with the mower because you can just say, oh, I meant that bit. I meant that bit to be a bit wild and woolly around the edges. And I thought, what a great idea. It's a really lovely idea. And also about bringing wild um, plants and flowers into your garden. Sarah, actually, when I was chatting to her, I don't think it made the edit, had this really lovely idea called gorilla gardening. And it's the thought of when you're out and about in the countryside, maybe on a country walk or in the parks, she said, pick seeds head. So, for example, she picks some um, dead poppy seed heads on one country walk and then she just keeps them in her pockets. And then when she was around her parents' house, she just scattered them in their orchard. And then next year they got loads of red red poppies. I, I have to say, not the, not the grey ones. Red <laughs> poppies pop up. 
And uh, it gave gave her parents quite the surprise because they weren't expecting it. But I thought that was absolutely lovely, this idea that you can even bring new life and wildlife and nature into your garden for free. I also love that idea that bees love purple. Mm. Sarah's right. You see buddleia all along railway tracks. It grows in the wild. And you see also lilac. Our next door neighbour has a live lilac. And the smell is just incredible. But I didn't realise that bees were actually attracted to purple more than pink or yellow. You know, if I'm, well, I'm not sure how much time I've spent thinking about it. But let's just say I thought bees were attracted to Not very much, I'm guessing. Not very much. (laughs) I thought they were attracted to the bright colours of flowers. But also I thought they were attracted to the smell. And I thought it was really interesting that actually they really like purple. The most popular colour. Good fact. Oh, she loves a good fact. I like a fact. There we go. And now for our regular style surgery slot. And this week we've got a common problem, which I suppose for this show really sums it up, is real life interfering with our fantasy design lives. And we've had this email from David about hiding the TV. And he says, I've just been given a huge top of the range 49 inch TV. I'm delighted with it. Well done, David. But it does tend to dominate our sitting room, even though the room is not small. Any practical ideas for screening it when it's not in use? I am looking into putting casters on the table upon which it stands so I can push it back against the wall, but the cables and wires are all a bit of a nuisance and then I could hide it behind a fabric threefold screen. You never see TVs in the rooms of elegant houses in magazines, but this is stupid. Nearly all of us want to watch TV in our comfortable sitting rooms, but we don't want the TV set to dominate the room. Any thoughts? Go, Sophie. Why are we even hiding it? We've all got one. We all want to watch it. Because they're just a big black hole of darkness, aren't they? I mean, they (laughs) are so grim. And, like, they've come on leaps and bounds. You remember when they used to go back, like, as much as they were wide, when they were these massive lumps? So, yeah, there's loads and loads and loads of different ways to disguise uh, the TV. One of the quickest fixes, I think, and the cheapest, if your decorating scheme allows, is to just paint the wall colour behind the TV quite dark, and that way it doesn't pop out at you. But uh, well, we've done that, yes, but you haven't. That. No, I haven't, because I don't want a dark scheme in my living room. Well, exactly. So what do you do then? Well, I think there are, there are lots of different options. If your TV is set in a corner like mine is, you're a lot more limited it's really irritating when they have to be on an angle because obviously these modern flat screen tvs are designed to fit snugly on a wall but if your layout of your room doesn't work like that then uh, that can be a bit of a problem quite often they have to go on cabinets and i think it probably is worth spending out on something bespoke if you can that allows the tv to sit inside a cabinet and again the cabinet can be quite slim profile and it just means you can close the doors on it or even uh, a very sleek screen wooden screen or perforated screen that you can pull across the front of it works well i never think fabric works somehow you can't have a pair of natty curtains in front of your tv i'm sorry david that is just wrong <laughs> but and this is from a woman who loves, loves a pair of natty curtains but not so but not yeah. on my television no 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 I tell you what I saw, which I think is really good. And it's like a development of your mum's idea, but it's gone a bit further. So your mum or you designed for your mum effectively a sort of 
a bookcase, didn't you, with different shaped and sized shelves in it. So she's got books, she's got ornaments, and then there's a kind of bigger slot for the TV in the middle, yes? Well, that works really well with these, um, with the slim frame tellies. So what Sophie Ashby, the designer's done, she's taken that one step further. So she has that wall of shelves with the TV behind it. And then she's got like a giant painting which she slides across that sits in front of the TV so that when the TV's behind it, it looks like it's shelves with a fabulous painting sitting in front and then she can slide the painting to one side and there's the telly. And I've actually seen that done in a more simple way just with doors. So it looks like you've got a cabinet, a sort of mix of shelvings and cabinet doors, but it's actually a door that slides across to conceal the TV or open it up. So that's if you're not across a corner, I think that's quite a clever way of doing it. Even just doing like, if it's on a flat wall, uh, a slight recess so the TV's almost flush with your wall surface, that sometimes helps. It's not popping out into the room. And again, like you say, you can slide an artwork or a screen in front of it. Talking of artwork, you know, I know we've talked about these on the podcast before, but I think they're still worth bringing to people's attention. The Frame TV, which has got like a matte. Amazing. It's not a glossy glass front, it's matte. So uh, when you're not watching it, you can set it to look like a famous painting of your choice. They are so cunningly realistic. That Yes, I think Michelle Gunderhin's got one, hasn't she? And you can buy, I think you can have a copper frame or a wooden frame or you can choose the actual frame that goes around your television and then obviously, you know, pick the artworks you want to display within that. I mean, that that would be my dream. On the topic of designer tellies, what about that um, that swanky serif TV? Which we saw in Orla Kylie's house, didn't we? So that is a TV that from the side looks like a capital I, hence the name serif. And it comes in, I think, navy blue or white or even a kind of soft red colour. And the idea is that, that it looks like a piece of furniture. I mean, obviously it looks like a television, but it's reclaiming the television as a piece of furniture. Well, it's on these sort of lovely retro pin legs. Yes, you can have... Isn't it? Like, it's a really stylish looking shape. i tell you who else has got one. Kate St. Hill has got one. You might see it on her Instagram. She's got a white one with the hairpin legs. But I think you can also buy them without the legs so that you can stand them on a cabinet, on a shelf. Yeah, so, I mean, those are two sort of really beautiful tellies. I've yet to see anything better than that in terms of sort of design telly. But... There is the other aspect, as David points out, we've all got tellies. We pretty much all like watching tellies. So it's not necessarily the problem of the telly. It's all the wires, isn't it? So we came up with an idea. We've sort of built a false wall. So our TV sits on a shelf and then we have the boxes. We are the only people left in the world with a DVD and a modem and, you know, 57 boxes underneath it. And so they sit on the shelf underneath and then we put a false wall at the back and all the wires and sockets tuck behind that. So it looks, there's absolutely no wires visible at all and the boxes are just piled up in front. The boxes are just piled up in front. That was a bit of an oversight, wasn't it? Well, the sky box, the DVD <laughs> box, we have got rid of the video. I mean, you know, those boxes oh, well sit on a pile 
on the bottom shelf because there's nothing you can do about that. They're in the shelf, okay. But, and you can't but, put them in a cupboard, can you? Because you need the remote. I think you need the remotes to work. to work. I mean, I guess you could have a cupboard maybe with holes punched in it. We haven't done that. We've just gone for two open shelves, but all the wires are hidden behind this false wall. And actually, um, do you know Kimberly Duran, Swoonworthy? She did something even simpler. She didn't even bother building a shelf. I think she just got a big piece of cardboard and painted it the same colour as the wall and tucked it in at the corner behind her coffee table where all her plugs are and you can't see anything. I mean, it's, you know, it was the work of moments and it works brilliantly. Very, very, very ingenious. There's one other little solution which I'd love to get your um, opinion on. You know, like some people love watching box sets in bed. Like it's a bit of a thing. Not for me. I don't think TV's got any place in a bedroom personally. But if you do, what about those beds where the TV rises up from the footboard? You're digging it? Well, I mean, I I don't have a TV in the bedroom either because I just know I would get into bed at eight o'clock every evening and then fall asleep with the telly on. So what do I think about that? I think... Oh, come on. They're a design crime, aren't they? A bed with a telly that projects out the bottom of it. I can't believe you're even sitting on the fence with this man. I'm trying to be tactful. (laughs) And what I was going to say was, if you have a TV in the bedroom, surely one that retracts back into the bed and is invisible when you're not watching it is better than having one on the wall at the end of the bed, no? Yeah, possibly. Ha! Do I win that one? We need to get Kate Taylor needs to have referee paddles on <laughs> yeah. with, you know. We'll do a poll. We'll do a- <laughs> and that's a win for Sophie. <laughs> and that's a win for Kate. I think there's a whole new kind of visual thing that we could get going on. <laughs> You've got very competitive during lockdown. I don't know, quite know what's happened to you. <laughs> I've had a whole personality change. Let's not go there. I'm doing this running. I'm seriously, oh, I'm running. I'm doing weight training. I'm doing weight training. I'm going to look like Jeff Capes by the end of Are this. Are you? Right. We're now going to have to do fortnightly photographs with every recording session so that we can track <laughs> the process of Sophie's <laughs> biceps. I think this is enough. I'm going to just stop this now. And I'm going to say, lovely listeners, please keep your style surgery questions coming. Just record your question on your phone and email it to us at thegreatindoorspod at gmail.com. And even I could manage that. And even Sophie could manage that with all her muscles. And there will, of course, be more information and pictures, possibly of Sophie's muscles, on our blogs. <laughs> I'm mad about the house.com and she's sophierobinson.co.uk. Although we might have to do a whole segment on home gyms because I'm getting quite collecting quite a lot of equipment now. Uh, Maybe that could be a, that could be a whole If you would like a segment on home gyms, let us know on the above mentioned email. <laughs> and as ever, if you get a chance to rate and review us on your podcast app, we would absolutely love it. We do read all the reviews, you know, and they do really give us quite the little boost, as well as helping more listeners find the show, of course, and generally spreading the interior design love. But for now, a big thank you to our new sponsors, Neptune. And thanks also to our very long-suffering producer Kate Taylor of Feast Collective and the biggest thank you to you for listening. And we'll see you in the great indoors. Do you want to hear something really hilarious? Tom, my husband, has just um, texted me going, um, Reggie, Reggie, that's our Tyler, needs you for tile decisions. He said you're in the conservatory under a blanket. Are you okay? (laughs) 